Well, like Brother Charles said, um, Brother Dick is also um, going to share a little bit, and so I'm going to try to preach a half a sermon. He's going to try to preach a half a sermon. We hope you're going to get a sermon out of this tonight. <laughs> you know that um, that hymn that we sang, Master Speak, that really... That hymn really encouraged me. I'd, I'd never heard that hymn before. And um, I was looking at the reference there at the top. He's, he's talking out of um, 1 Samuel 3.9, where Samuel says, speak, um, speak, for their servant listens. And that's something right there. Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. One encouraging thing out of that passage is if it is the Lord speaking, He will continue to speak no matter how dull or dense we are. The voice of God will continue. A lot of times you may have these things that kind of come along and they knock you off your chair and you think, God wants me to do this. I heard Brother Conrad said, just give it three days. That's pretty good advice. Speak, Lord, this servant heareth. Um, this line right here really encouraged me. He said, speak to me by name, O Master. Let me know it is to me. <laughs> Speak that I may follow faster with a step more firm and free. Amen. That's good. You you come across a Christian and they just seem they have a glow about them, and you you can tell that they've something something's going on. They're very encouraged, and you get to talking to them, and you find out what's happened. The master has spoken to them. Yeah. They have some nugget that God has applied either from a sermon or from a verse or some hymn that just came out of nowhere, and they've got a new. They've got a new step about them. They've got this glow, this element of the Spirit. You get to talking to them and you find out, yes, it's the Master that's, that's spoken. Master, speak and make me ready when thy voice is truly heard with obedience, glad and steady, still to follow every word. I am listening, Lord, for thee. Master, speak, O oh, speak to me. That should be our prayer tonight. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now, Lord, not to Mount Sinai, but to the city of the living God, gathered together as saints, redeemed, given your spirit. We come tonight to myriads of angels. And Lord, our greatest desire and our one prayer for tonight is that you would speak. Lord, we, we ask for something effectual, that You would open our eyes to see something of the beauty of Your Son. You would speak to us about Jesus. And You would let that just rapture our hearts and send us out of this place in white-hot devotion for Your glory. Lord, would You set us free tonight from anything that may bind, any besetting sins, any demonic strongholds. May the mighty name of Jesus crush it all tonight. In His name we pray. Amen. We'll look tonight um, at Matthew 26. Matthew 26. We'll start there in verse 57. Verse 57. 
Those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. But Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and entered in and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. What I want to do tonight is just maybe give a couple of thoughts on this phrase right here, but Peter was following him at a distance. There are many dangers in the Christian life. The early church, um, at least some of them, sealed their profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ with their blood. I have a plaque on my wall at work that shows a picture of the arena there. And it has a line coming out and it's got some Christians being burned on the stake around. And there's a group of Christians in the middle and one of them who appears to be the leader is looking up towards heaven in prayer and they're about to be devoured. Um, just this past week, this brother, um, Walid, he, he faces danger as being a Christian. Just being associated with Christ, he has put himself in physical danger there. But one thing that I want to, um, to underline tonight is that that physical danger is not the greatest danger that a Christian can face. Somebody said, and I'm not sure who it was, that being in the center of God's will, cleaving closest to Christ, is the safest place that you can be on earth. Well, if that's the safest place you can be on earth, then what would be the most unsafe place you can be on earth? And I want to submit to you that that is following Christ at a distance. Um, the Lord says, you don't have to turn here, He says in Luke 12, He says, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and afterwards have no more they can do, but I warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast in hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. This passage has a lot to teach right there. If you wanted to, you could draw at least one thing out. There are two types of dangers. There is a physical type of danger and there's a spiritual type of danger. And that's what I want to say tonight is the danger that Peter had placed himself in here and that even a real believer can place himself in. And that is following at a distance. Following at a distance. This is a danger, and as I said, a true believer can get into this situation. Just look at the life of Peter. It is obvious that Peter um, was already a real believer. If you remember back with the good confession, Jesus is saying, who are people saying that I am? What does Peter say? He says, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And what does Christ say? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Well, that is a quotation that means that he had heard and learned from the Father. Christ says, all that hear and learn from the Father will come to me. God had given him a revelation about Christ. God had done something for him. But at this point in his life, we find him following at a distance. How does Peter get into this dangerous position? And how can we here tonight get into this dangerous position if some of us aren't, aren't already in this dangerous position? And I think out of all the things that can be said, the main thing that Peter got into trouble with was lack of prayer. Lack of prayer. Look over, um, still in chapter 26, in verse 40. You'll remember this scene. This is the scene from the garden. He says, And he came to him, Jesus, came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So, you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. 
Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The problem that Peter got into in this situation cannot be explained in the natural realm. If you want to talk about natural spirits, you have a very bold person, a very um, brass person here with Peter. He was always the one asserting himself. Just like no one suspected that Judas was going to be the one who betrayed Christ, no one suspected that Peter would be the one to deny Christ. It could not be explained in the natural realm. Prayer is, it could be equated to Samson's hair. You take it away and he'll become like other men. Prayer in our life, you can do a lot of stuff. You can take a lot of things away from a Christian and it will not touch them. Their soul is in heaven. I mean, connected there with Christ and the the vine is just pumping life into them. You read these accounts and biographies of these Christians that face these horrendous situations. You know, they're put into dungeons, they're beaten, they're, they're scorned, their families over in Bangladesh, their families kick them out. No one will have anything to do with them. They go into extreme poverty and yet they shine like the sun. On the other hand, you can put a true Christian in a place like this. Constantly hearing the word on Sundays, constantly hearing the word on Wednesdays, there's fellowship that's available, every good book that you could have possibly imagined, and then some good, good CDs to listen to, everything that you could ever dream of, but if you take prayer out of the life of that Christian, nothing's going to happen. Their spiritual life will be reduced to rubble regardless of everything else that's going on. The danger of prayerlessness. This can happen a lot of times when we aren't facing an immediate challenge. We get like the church at Laodicea. We think everything's fine. We don't have need of anything. And so slowly but surely, prayer begins to take the background. It's not the priority anymore. And what does Christ say? He says, you're not seeing clearly. Come by from me. You are, you are impoverished. You can have everything else, but yet not be devoted in prayer and not have this, this communion with the Lord and it's all gone. What's happening? Well, you're following at a distance. Well, quickly, what will bring us back? If you find yourself in this situation, you've grown cold, your devotion's just not, I mean, you just, you feel cold. Every true believer knows what that feels like. What can help you? Well, let's start with one negative. One thing that will not help you is trying to pay the price. In other words, you're going to start working up some effort inside of you and you're going to pay the price. That's exactly what Judas tried to do. You see, on, on one level of talking about it, Judas and Peter had done exactly the same thing. They had both failed the Lord. What did Judas try to do? He goes back and he starts throwing, throwing the money back in the temple. He's going to pay for this. He's going he's to make it right on his own terms. That's not what you do. <laughs> That's the way you get into some serious bondage. You think that woman that Mona saw today with chains walking around is in bad shape. You get a Christian that's trying to pay the price and you will find a person who is in much worse shape. Just a real mess. And isn't, this, isn't that our first reaction in this situation? What happens is we realize we've been dry for a while. <laughs> we haven't been seeking the Lord. We haven't been, as it says in Colossians 4, devoted in prayer. And so we decide, alright, you know some verse convicts you on that or a sermon wakes you up. Well, alright, 
I haven't prayed for a couple of weeks like I think I should. Tomorrow, I'm going to pray for 20 hours. You haven't been reading the Word like you should. You know, it's been, maybe you've, you were going to start well on some reading plan and you, <laughs> you look at your, your months behind. <laughs> and so what do you do? All right, praise the Lord, I'm going to read four months worth of my Bible before lunch, along with your 20 hours of prayer. That's not it at all. That is not it at all. What makes the difference? What do you do in this situation? Effort is involved, but I want to tell you the thing that will bring you out more than anything else, and that is a look from Christ. A look from Christ. Do you remember what happened to Peter? After he had denied the Lord, the Lord looked at him. It says it specifically in Luke. The Lord looked at him. I want to submit to you that that was not, and this, this will tell you a lot about your theology of what you think about Christ. If you find in that look a scowl, if you find in that look an I told you so, I told you you would do this, your theology is all wrong. It is all wrong. We simply do not believe that the atonement of Christ and His risen power through the Spirit ruling and reigning is strong enough to have put away our sins completely. Nothing is left to atone for us. Even when we are dry, even when we have followed at a distance for a while. What Christ did on the cross Dealt with that all, even that situation. Let me prove this look to you. Well, one thing was, is that Christ had already told Peter before this whole event happened. He said, look, I know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to deny me. So he already acknowledged right up front, your profession on this whole thing is going to fail. You are going to follow me at a distance. So he, know, he knows about it all along. When God saves you, He knew these times were going to come into your life. But here's what makes the difference in a Christian. Christ says, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And not only does He say that, but He says, when you turn again, strengthen your brothers. In other words, I've still got something for you. You may be dry right now. You may be so dry and you just feel so discouraged. But if you are a real believer, God still has something for you. And Christ has prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Well, what else? And this is pretty encouraging. We'll turn here to Mark 16. Mark 16. Starting in verse 2. It says, Very early on the first day of the week they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at, sitting at the right, wearing a right, white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to him, Do not be amazed. You were looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, he is in the place where, where they laid him. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples, except Peter. Is that what it says? 
Go tell the disciples, add Peter. <laughs> that is absolutely glorious. Christ knows how far down this guy was going to fall. I mean, absolute despair. He wept bitterly. And so Christ knows I'm not, he sends a word by these angels. I'm not going to make this thing so generic that he might could somehow reason, well, maybe I'm no longer a disciple. <laughs> he says, go tell the disciples and Peter. This look, this speaking of the word, like Havergal says. Can you hear him? Can you hear him? It's like the, the bride in Song of Solomon. You know, the bridegroom comes to her. And she says, um, it's, you know, it's probably maybe had been a long day. And the bridegroom comes at a time that is very unexpected. Isn't that just like the Lord? Comes at a time when it's unexpected. And he knocks on the door. And what does she say? She says, I've already taken my dress off. How can I put it on again? I've already washed my feet. I don't want to get them dirty. Finally, she comes to her senses and she goes to the door. And what's there? Just a little bit of fragrance. Almost to taunt her. And isn't that what the Lord does? You get dry and He'll start sending these little things. He'll let you hear of another believer that, that's just really encouraging or there's a biography that's really encouraging or a sermon or, or something like that and He begins to draw you. Well, it was enough to draw her and she goes out into the night and she looks for Him. Where does she find Him? She finds Him in His garden picking lilies. He's desiring intimacy. I want to tell you, there is not a scowl if you are following Christ at a difference. Now, that's a dangerous situation. If you can just keep right on walking, it just means you're an unbeliever. If you can, if you can walk out of those doors tonight, hear some of these precious verses and think, well, I must, I must be okay. I can just stay how I am. That is just absolute fact that you are an unbeliever. You've never known the love of Christ because for every true Christian, that glimpse right there just sends your heart bubbling over. It's like you will leave everything. Just give me Him back. Give Him back to me. I have to have Christ. I can remember um, when I was young, and just to try to illustrate that there is effort involved. There's effort. I mean, you've got to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. You have to put yourself in the way of righteousness. But it's motivated by love. And um, when I was young, I, I don't know if I've shared this before, I was running in a race. <laughs> and, uh, I, I mean, this, the school I went to was a really, really small school. Really small school, and none of us were athletic. Um, but for some reason, we participated in the county-wide, like, little kid Olympics type stuff. And so they had us, I ran the, the 440-yard dash. Well, I can tell you there was nothing dashing about that 440 <laughs> yards. And they had us run like two or three times in preparation from this. And we were running against schools that were, I mean, they were six and seven times our size with guys that ran every day, even in elementary school. Well, I knew I was in trouble when they lied us up out there. And I'm looking at these guys and I'm thinking, this is, this is going to be bad. <laughs> this is going to be real bad. So the starter gun goes off and I, I start running. And I had been taught by my coach, you know, you don't give it all you've got in the beginning. You wait to save that until the end. Well, I could tell if I didn't do something quick, I mean, I, it was going to be a long trip around all by myself. <laughs> So I start running at a, at a pace um, that's a little quicker than I trained. 
and I am last. I'm dead last. Uh, you know, everyone else is in front of me. And turn one, they're just getting further. Turn two, they're getting further. And about halfway between turn two and turn three, I saw my dad. My dad had come to the race. And he starts moving down out of a crowd. He knew I was struggling because even at my little quickened pace, I felt like I'm going to die. <laughs> and so I saw him moving down there and my dad went and took his place right by the finish line and he starts waving at me. Oh man, I want to tell you, I don't know what happened, but inside of me something snapped. It's like, here's my dad. I, I'm going to... And I knew my dad... My dad loves me. My dad wants the best for me. I, he doesn't care what happens with this race. We're going to McDonald's afterwards. It, he doesn't care. And so, so literally something snapped inside of me and I began running like a madman. Like a madman. And I passed the guy. There were eight runners and I was, of course, eighth. I passed the guy in seventh. I passed the guy in sixth. I passed the guy in fifth. I passed the guy in fourth. Now I am neck and neck with a guy in... Third, and he, he looks like a runner, and here I am, and it just, no technique at all, just running, <laughs> running for my life. Now let me ask you something. What makes the difference? What makes the difference when you're dry and you feel like, I'm not going to make it, and you just want to, you feel like, man, I just, I, sometimes I feel like just getting off the track. A glimpse of your Father is what makes you run harder. Was there effort involved? You better believe it. These two legs have never ran harder in their life. But here's the thing, I wasn't noticing all the effort. The only thing I know is there's my dad and he's come down here because he knows I'm in trouble and I'm going to run like the daylights to get there to him. Well, about probably a hundred feet from the finish line, I literally gave out. And people slowly but surely begin to pass by. <laughs> and when I finally came over the finish line, in eighth place, I passed out. That is not a metaphor. I literally passed out. But guess what? My dad caught me. He was standing right there and he could see about 10 feet. His eyes are rolling in the back of his head. And I, I literally, I caved right over there. And, I, and this, is, this is just a true story. I fell right into my dad's arms. What makes the difference, believer? We've got to get our theology straight on the love of God. If we miss a lot of stuff in the Christian life and knowing a lot of stuff experientially in the Christian life, we can't miss what it means to be loved by Jesus Christ, and what it means that an atonement has happened that is so absolutely powerful that the driest saint here tonight can catch a glimpse of his father or her father and run like they've never run before. Let's pray. Father, we confess we don't want to follow at a distance. Lord, we confess we don't want to be dry. We don't want to be indifferent to You and to the things of God. Lord, we also confess that apart from You, we can do nothing. Lord, would You speak to us tonight? Would You glance at us? Would You rapture our hearts once again and send us running with all of our might that we could lay aside every sin and run with endurance the race set before us, 
fixing our eyes on Jesus. Lord, would you fix our eyes on Jesus? In Christ's name, amen.